Hello and welcome to Stonebridge Community Church. I am Pastor John and I'm grateful that you have tuned in with us for worship this week. Whether it's through the podcast or whether it's through YouTube, we are grateful that you are connecting with us for our worship service. This week, I'll be concluding our sermon series entitled Cultivate. where We've been looking at the letter to the Philippians to see how God cultivates a church. So I invite you to dive into the scriptures with us. The way this service runs is we will have some announcements right after this um, introduction here, and then the Word of God will be read, the sermon will be preached, and there will be two songs to help guide you in worship. So I hope that you can experience Jesus' presence through our online service here. And we look forward to connecting with you in person whenever you are ready and able to show up and connect with us in person. But God bless you, and may this worship service be a blessing to you. Welcome to Stonebridge. This past week on the Stonebridge Parents Podcast, Children and Family Ministries Director Stephanie Leedy sat down with friend and Stonebridge community member Ashley Shalanis and talked about raising children with special needs. This coming Tuesday will be our last episode. Miss Stephanie will sit down with two friends and members of the Stonebridge community, Shannon Rohr and me, Sally Thompson, and talk about mom guilt. You won't want to miss it. Look for these special episodes within the Stonebridge podcast. Starting Tuesday, August 3rd, we're launching a new podcast series called Stonebridge Essentials. This five-week podcast will focus on what is to be considered the center of the Christian faith, the Trinity. To supplement our understanding and to facilitate community, we will have discussion groups available as well. Sign up for one of these groups using your connection card or emailing info at stonebridgecme.com. Stonebridge has a job opening for a youth and family ministries director. If you or someone you know would be interested in this position, please contact the church office. And lastly, we would love to know that you're participating in worship. Continue to share your news, prayers, and praises by emailing prayers at stonebridgecme.com. Or if you're following along in the Bible app, please take the time to fill out the e-connection card. You are an important part of Stonebridge's community of faith. Once again, welcome to worship. We are continuing our sermon series entitled Cultivate. In fact, this week we are actually wrapping up our sermon series entitled Cultivate. We've been looking at the book of Philippians, Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, in order to see how God cultivates that church so that we can get indications of how God might be cultivating us as a congregation and how God might be working in our midst, both as a community and as individuals. And we'll be coming to our last passage from Philippians that we will be looking at. It's Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 through 9. It's a rather famous passage, but Paul is wrapping up his instructions to the Philippians. And as he does so, Paul says to them, Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And I invite you to join with me in prayer. Please pray with me. Lord, through your scriptures, yet again, we ask that you speak to us. 
as we wrap up this sermon series, as we wrap up our reflections on Paul's letter to the Philippians, Lord, we ask that you would speak clearly to us. Help us to understand how best we can think about these things, these noble traits that Paul lists for us and talks about. Help us to understand what it looks like when you are cultivating a church. Help us to be that kind of a church, Lord. Help us to be attuned to you, to your work, and to your Holy Spirit. We thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Paul's instructions here at the close of the letter to the Philippians, they sound noble. They sound good and just. I mean, Paul lists these words, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, pleasing, commendable, excellence, worthy of praise. These are all positive words. Paul is lifting up all of those things that are praiseworthy. And then says to us, think about those things. It's good. It's noble. There is virtue here. And it sounds so simple. The problem, however, comes when you think about the instruction itself. Think about these things. Now, I don't know what your experience is. But for me, when I try to control my thoughts for longer than a few minutes or for any sort of amount of time, I find that my mind begins to wander. I find that it's hard for me to focus. And that telling me to just think about certain things, it doesn't usually work. My mind begins working and going and thinking, and it goes places that I can't really control. Maybe it's easier for you, but I think for most of us, the idea of controlling our thoughts is actually rather hard. It's rather difficult. Now, there are some things I know you can do. You can set reminders to remind you about certain things. I know for this passage, my history with this passage that Paul wrote, at one point I had this written on a mirror to remind me to think about these things. So that every morning when I would be brushing my teeth and flossing, I would be reminded of Paul's instructions here. But about an hour into the day, the day-to-day stuff of life would take over and I would forget it. I also know that therapists can help people with anxiety learn to regulate thoughts a little better. And people with mental illnesses, they, they work on practices to help regulate thoughts, but it's not foolproof, and it's still a struggle. One therapist that I saw talking about anxiety um, taught me little practices, mantras that I could say to myself over and over again to remind myself of certain facts of the world to help anxieties not creep in. So there are little things that we can do, but it's a struggle. Think about these things. Trying to control our thoughts, trying to limit what it is we think about, it's a struggle. And the more that we focus on trying to just control our thoughts, I think the easier we fall into a trap the easier we fall into a trap of the guilt cycle, 
where we try to think about what is pure, what is true, what is honorable, what is just, what is pleasing, what is commendable, what is excellent, anything worthy of praise. We try to focus on thinking about those things. And then when we don't, when our thoughts stray, guilt creeps in and we feel like we aren't good enough. And then we keep focusing on our own thoughts and our own behaviors. And we never live up to the standard that we end up setting for ourselves. So this passage on its own, while it sounds noble, while it sounds good, while it is noble and it is good, it can also lead us into a sort of trap if we take it out of its context. I think Paul knows this, though. Throughout this letter, he has been talking about the good and noble things that Jesus modeled for us. He's lifted up Jesus's humility. He's talked about the resurrection of Jesus and, and focusing on that and having that be the only thing that defines us. Paul has talked about the importance of imitation, of being near people who do the things that you want to imitate himself at times. And in the way that he follows Jesus, the church should follow him. Paul has talked about all of these good, pure, honorable uh, things. He has taken the church in Philippi down this path. And I think Paul knows that in order to actually do this, we have to be connected to other Christians. Because notice Paul's line after his instructions about think about these things. After telling them to think about these things, Paul says, keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. One of the reasons I love the letter to the Philippians is that this is a church Paul knows. He has connections with them. He is joyful at their progress. He's excited about all that God is doing with them. And constantly he pulls the church in Philippi back to his example. He pulls them back to this understanding that they are connected to him. They know him. That, I think, is how we actually follow Paul's instructions to think about these things. I think the way that we follow these instructions, the way that these good, noble, honorable things that Paul is lifting up, the way we actually think about them is by being connected with other Christians who are also trying to think about these things over time. That is one of the purposes of church. I love the church. I love that this is how Jesus decided to have his message be spread. I love the community that can come from the church. I love the church with all of its flaws. And I'm grateful to God for the church. It is through the church that we interact with one another, that we shape one another, that we mold one another. And it's through the church that we are able to finally fulfill Paul's instructions. There's something about having other people who are pursuing the same goals that you are, reminding you of what to think about. There's also something about having people who model this for you. 
people you can look up to, that you can see it in concrete practice so that these words don't just remain words, but you can think of somebody who was pure, who was true, who was honorable, who was just. You can think of somebody in your life who showed these traits to you and see it concretely. That's what the church can do. That's one of the reasons why we have church. And that's why we try to open up our lives to one another in the context of church. We try to connect with one another so that we have relationships so that we can think about the things Paul has taught us to think about. Now, that's not the only reason for church, but that is a reason for church. Sometimes I think we take the idea of church and we think it needs to be big and grand and a spectacle. And it can be. There are churches that that's their philosophy. It can be that. But Paul's churches were never really big and grand and a spectacle. At the very beginning of this sermon series, when we talked about cultivating, I talked about Paul's vision for church. In one of Paul's churches, you usually met in a home or a public space. You didn't really have a church building. It wasn't somewhere you went to. It was a group of people that you connected with. And if you looked around at the other people who'd be there in Paul's church, you would see all sorts of different kinds of people. You would see rich people there. You would see poor people there. You would see women there. You would see men there. You would see Greeks there. You would see Jewish people there. Gentiles were there with Jews. Paul's churches, they fell apart if you tried to put the different boundaries that the world places on them. They didn't make any sense. But when you understood God's logic and God's purpose, Paul's churches didn't fall apart. They, they spread rapidly. They incorporated all sorts of different people, people who would never have encountered each other, but who were linked through the fact that they wanted to follow Jesus. That's what linked together the people in Paul's church. So you would look around and you would just see people that you otherwise would have never even spoken to. And not only are you now speaking to them, but you're treating one another as equals. Regardless of your status in society, you're treating each other as equals. Regardless of if you are a slave or you are free, you're treating each other as equals. Regardless of whatever your race or nationality or ethnicity was, you're treating each other as equals. That was Paul's church. So when Paul gives these instructions here, to think about whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, anything excellent, anything worthy of praise. He's given these instructions in the context of a church that he knows, and he knows that they're living out his vision of church. Having people around you to model these traits for you, having people who are also pursuing Jesus' character with you, that's the best way that over time, we start to affect our own thoughts. At a point in my life when I was dealing with some serious medical issues, and it was a time of uncertainty, and it was a time where I really didn't know how things were going to play out, I found myself isolating. I cut myself off from community. I just wanted to deal with it on my own. 
And I remember this time period, it lasted for a couple of weeks. And one of my memories of that time period is that a man from my church, who I didn't know very well, called me. He called me because he'd heard that I was dealing with a medical issue. And he just wanted to know, was I doing okay? He called for no other reason other than God had placed it on his heart to reach out to me. Now, a phone call like that may seem like a really minor thing. And I don't think that that's the only thing that happens in a church. But what that phone call did for me was it took this memory that otherwise was just isolating and dark and lonely. It it took that memory and it transformed it. So that whenever I think back on that time, I have to think about what that man did in calling me. I have to think about the fact that somebody who had no ulterior motives, no selfish motives, reached out to me just to see if I was okay. Whenever I think about that time, I have to think about something that was true, something that was honorable, something that was just, something that was pure, that was pleasing, and that was commendable. That was just one instance of the church affecting my life. The more and more that you are involved in church, the more and more that you open up your life to the people in a church, the more Jesus reaches out to us. The more Jesus spurs people through the power of the Holy Spirit to perform acts that are pure and just and true and honorable. That's the way the church works. Part of what we do as a church is create memories. We approach each other in difficult spots, in difficult times, when our thoughts would be strained towards negativity, strained towards anger, strained towards frustration. As the church, we reach out to one another and we inject truth and love and what is commendable and what is worthy into one another's lives. A church that does that, a church that lives life connected in that way, that is a church that God is cultivating. That is a church that understands all of the values Paul talks about in Philippians. And not just the values, but understands all that Jesus did for them. That is a church that God is cultivating. A church that embraces that, that follows that. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. I've wanted to look at the letter to the Philippians to see what it looks like when a church is going well. So that we at Stonebridge can be that kind of church. I wanted to look at this to see what God's work looks like when a church is being cultivated so that we at Stonebridge can be that kind of church. Because for whatever reason, Jesus decided to work through the church. Jesus is the one who instituted the church. Jesus is the one who decided that this was going to be Jesus' body on earth. And wherever two or three of us are gathered in Jesus' name, Jesus is there in our presence. So we get the gift 
of helping others think about the things that are true, the things that are honorable, the things that are just, the things that are pure. We get the gift of not just following Paul's instructions, but modeling it for others, helping others to see it. And through that, through helping others, through pursuing these traits ourselves, through pursuing Paul's instructions ourselves and helping others, Jesus is revealed to the world. We get to give the world a glimpse of who Jesus is. That's the kind of church I want to be part of. That's the kind of church that this world needs to see and be invited into. And I pray that that is the kind of church that God is cultivating here at Stonebridge amongst us. So, when you look at these instructions that Paul gives, to think about whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, whatever is excellent, anything worthy of praise, when you go to think about those, don't try to just do it on your own. When you think about having your life be defined by the resurrection, don't try to just do it on your own. When you think about modeling Jesus' humility, don't try to just do it on your own. That's not the way God has created us, and that's not the way God created the church. Connect with others in the church. Connect with people outside the church. Pursue this with other people who are trying to follow Jesus. Embrace the mission that is God's church. And know that when you embrace the church, it embraces you back. And there is Jesus' presence. So may we be such a church that is cultivated by God. When people think of Stonebridge, may they think of the resurrection of Jesus, and may they see Jesus' character clearly. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. And rest.
endures Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't cure
So friends, may you go thinking about those things that Paul has encouraged you to think about. Thinking about whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, anything excellent and anything praiseworthy, may those take over your thoughts. But may you go connected to the church, modeling your life after people like Paul who opened up his life to the Philippians. And may you go knowing that Jesus is with you, the God of peace is near. May you go in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and the love of the Father. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, go in peace. Amen.